Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. I'll not make you stand again this morning since you just sat down. Of course, with this time of year, we eat a lot of extra. We probably need to be getting up and down every time. Amen. But Isaiah chapter 9. We'll begin. We'll just read two verses. Isaiah chapter 9. This is a prophecy of Isaiah, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his birth. We find here in verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Could I say right there that the, that the Lord has performed part of it and He is performing the rest of it. Amen. And there's coming the day when, when the, He will fulfill all of that prophecy. We find the prophecy, as I said, the birth of Christ here. We find that uh, so many times people overlook the importance of that prophecy. That prophecy is, is given to us that we might know that we have a Savior. That prophecy has been given to us that we might know that the Lord's Word is true. And so we find here that unto us is born a, a, a son or a, a, a child. The Son of God has been given to us. Just as was even spoken of this morning in the play that the children did. That is our hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we ask that you'd meet with us. Lord, we thank you for the greatest gift that was spoken of, Lord, in this play this morning. But Lord, we thank you for the child that is born. We thank you for the son that is given. We thank you, Lord, for the mercies of God that we might have eternal life because of the greatest gift that has ever been given. I pray now, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts in this short time. Help us, Lord, to focus upon you and upon the things of God and not upon the flesh and not upon what we want and what we see and all the festivities of this day and time. But Lord, help our focus to be on that great gift, Jesus Christ. Have your will and way, Lord, I pray in, the, in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see two natures of Christ here that's spoken of. Isaiah speaks of both of those uh, natures. The humanity of Christ, which is unto us a child, is born. But we also see the deity of Christ, the Son of God, that says unto us a son is given. You see, Christ did not begin at birth. He always was. He always will be. But He came to us in the manifestation of the flesh. Otherwise, He had to present Himself to us as God. So He comes, first of all, in the form of a man. He comes in the flesh. But we find that where it says, But given covers all eternity, the gift that has been given to us that we might have eternal life. You see, it was impossible for us to, to save ourselves. And so God had to send His own Son into the world that we might have eternal life. You see... He is God and He's man. He's not only the God of heaven, but He's also the God of the home. He is the object of our worship as well as the example of our walk. 
We find over in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says, For whom he did for no, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We find both natures coming together in Jesus Christ. The deity of Christ, but also man. We see Him coming together. We see His humanity as He pays the taxes in Matthew chapter 17. And His deity is seen in the fact that the money comes from a miracle that He performs. We see the humanity of Jesus Christ when He's sleeping in a ship that's tossed by the sea in Luke chapter 8. Yet we see His deity when He awakes and He calms the storm and settles the seas. We recognize His humanity when He weeps at the grave of Lazarus. And then his deity as we see him raise Lazarus from the dead. He's God. But he was man that come unto you and me. God came down to man as man. Verse 6 there again says, For unto us a child is born. There was no, this was no ordinary child. This was the very Son of God. The very Son of God who took on flesh and, and came to earth to save mankind. From our sins, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, if Christ could come, the Son of God, and he could humble himself to become a servant and, and walk among men, laying aside as he come to earth. And we think so many times about a babe at Christmas lying in the manger, but this is God that was in that manger. This was God that came down in the form of a child, uh, being man, but also being God. He took a, a, a laid aside his, his uh, uh, kingly robes in heaven, and, and he laid aside uh, that, that position in heaven as he had said at the right hand of the Father. And he comes down and he, he's laid in a, in a lowly manger in a stable. Why? For you and for me. He came in flesh. That we might have the presence of God with us. That he might come unto us. You see, we, he was found in the fashions of man, but he came and he loved us. But if he could humble himself that way, my friend this morning, why would, why would you not humble yourself and come to an altar and receive Him as your Savior, admitting that you're a sinner without hope and without uh, eternity? And if you would receive Him as your Savior, but not only that, but if, hey, listen, Christian, we ought to humble ourselves and live for His honor and His glory. Amen. Instead of living unto ourselves, you think about Him humbling Himself to be laid in a manger. Here's the King of kings. Here's, the, here's the, the God of heaven. He's the creator of all mankind. He's the creator of that straw that was in that manger. He's the creator of those animals that stood in that, that stable. He's the creator as He looks up into the eyes of Mary. He created her. Think about that for a while. Joseph, his earthly father, he created him. The wood that that manger was made out of he created it and yet he humbled himself to come in the form of a man that he might save man from all his sin see jesus came as that sinless son of god look here again verse 6 said for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given this was not an angel 
as I mentioned, I think the other night uh, <clears throat> or the other day, the, it makes a good song that God looked all over heaven, couldn't find anybody. So, you know, he calls. But my friend, that's not what God did. He didn't look all over heaven. He didn't have to. He had a son. An angel could not replace what Jesus Christ came to do. An angel could not do what Jesus Christ came to do. You see, it was God Himself that came to be born in that manger, came to die for the sins of man, that man might be saved. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. They shall call His name Emmanuel, which being interpreted God with us. Stop and think about that this morning. That God would come to be with you and me. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, so often we fail to really see and to understand the great gift that was given to man. We get so busy. We get so tied up at this time of year. And, and I've often told told you this, that sometimes one of the hardest times of the year to preach is around this time of year. And the reason is, is not because of the message isn't there, but because people's minds are so far away from the true meaning of Christ and Christmas. So many times we're so tied up and we're thinking, I've got to be here tomorrow. I've got to do this the next day. And I've got to get Aunt Sally, Sally Lou something. And I've got to get Joanne something. Or I've got to get somebody else something. And we get all tied up in all those things. And then we get to thinking, well, I've got to go to this place. And I've got to do, go to this party. And I've got to go to do this. And we're running, as they'll say, like, a, like a, a chicken with their head cut off. I remember my grandma used to butcher them chickens. She'd take that. And she didn't, sometimes she'd wring their neck. She'd pop like that. And that chicken hit the ground and off it'd go. There's a lot of truth to that. And I look at us during this time of year, and sometimes that's exactly where we are. We're running around like a chicken with our head cut off. When we really ought to stop and begin to thank God for the Son of God that came that we might have eternal life, came to be the greatest gift that has ever been given. As they quoted here this morning, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, my friend, this morning, the greatest gift ever given was given that, that day as He poured His Son into Calvary. Uh, uh, not, not from, you say, you, you said Calvary, that's right. He poured Him into Calvary. He came to Calvary. That's the greatest gift, salvation. You see, many times we think of only the manger, but it wasn't the manger was not His destination. The cross was at Calvary. And that is the hope that we have today. Isaiah said unto us, A son is given in his prophecy. John wrote of the gift of God in John three sixteen, the Son of God that God gave that we might have uh, the ability to be saved, the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah goes on and he speaks of this one that came that we might have eternal life. And he says, his name shall be called Wonderful. There in verse 6, the latter part says, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wonderful. Many believe that to describe the, 
The next word, counselor, as though to say he's a wonderful counselor. You could put it that way, but that's not the way it is written. Uh, actually, it stands alone in the Hebrew, and it means that he is wonderful. Not just a wonderful counselor, but he is wonderful. Could I get amen this morning? You're all sitting here kind of dead this morning. I tell you, he's wonderful this morning. I tell you what, he saved your soul. My friend, he ought to be wonderful in your eyes and all wonderful in your mind and a wonderful Savior in your heart this morning. He's wonderful. And everything he does, everything he has done, he is wonderful in everything. We, he, he, was, he is wonderful. The heart in every born-again Christian should ring with that joyous phrase that he is wonderful. The psalmist said in Psalms 40 and verse 5, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to, are to usward. They cannot be reckoned, upon, reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than, we can, num- than can be numbered. He's wonderful. Well, if I was to go around the room and say, Dustin, is he wonderful in your life? What would you say? He's saying, is he wonderful in your life? He's wonderful this morning. He's wonderful every day. He's not just wonderful on Sunday. He's wonderful on Monday, brother. He's wonderful on Tuesday. He's wonderful on Wednesday. He's wonderful in good times. He's wonderful in bad times. He's wonderful this morning. Well, I'll tell you what, sometimes we forget how wonderful he is. You and I owe a sin debt that we can't pay. He paid a sin debt he didn't owe. That we might be saved. He's wonderful. He's wonderful this morning. You opened your eyes. He's wonderful this morning. You got out of that bed. He's wonderful this morning. Some of you got up this morning and the first thing you said, you should have been said, uh, good morning, Lord. But some of you got out of bed this morning and said, good Lord, is it morning? I can tell by the looks on your face. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. And there's no way of getting around how wonderful he is. He's counselor. He's our counselor for he knows the the end of all things. He has a plan for each of our lives. He is, uh, if we but follow his counsel. His counsel comes from a great book. In fact, we find in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he gives us counsel from the Word of God, which is himself. And he he tells us what we need to know. He tells us how we should live. He tells us when the problems come our way, how to handle the problems. He's our counselor. People are shelling out money right and left, going to psychiatrists, psychologists, and counselors, and everything like that. Can I tell you, pick up the Bible. He's the counselor that can help in all areas of your life. Somebody's going to say, he's against counselors. and No, I'm not. But the first counsel we should go to is Jesus Christ because he's counselor. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows the need in your life before you ever know that there's a need in your life. He knows the answer to your problem before you ever understand that there's a problem. He's a great counselor. He's a counselor that can guide you and direct your life and, and give you hope. He takes you to the Word of God. In John 1, 14, he says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He counsels us through His Word. He's the mighty God. There's nothing impossible for our God. He's Lord. He's Savior. He's Jesus Christ. There's nothing impossible. Luke said in, in, in chapter 1 and verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. 
With God, nothing shall be impossible. Luke 18, 27 says, and he said, talk about Jesus himself, said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Do you realize how mighty a God we have? You realize, you say, well, preacher, if he's so mighty, why did we have all this devastating and tornadoes and, and all this stuff that happened a, a Friday night? Why didn't he stop that if he's so mighty? I can't give you an answer. But I can tell you this, that he's a mighty God. Amen. And his love for those folks is just as much. He, there's nothing impossible for him. Preacher, can he save me? Yes, he can. Preacher, I don't know. I've went too far. Nothing is impossible for God. Preacher, I had this problem, this difficulty going. How am I going? To, he, he, he's, is, is it possible that he can take care of this problem in my life? Nothing is impossible for him. He's a mighty God. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too wide. Nothing is too great. Nothing is too strong. There's nothing that he cannot take care of. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's eternal. He always was. He always will be. He's eternal, so he's able to give eternal life. I'm going to tell you something this morning. I don't have a hope-so salvation. I don't have a maybe-so salvation. I've got an eternal no-so salvation. Amen? I know that when I die, I'm going to heaven, Dustin. I know, that, hey, listen, it doesn't matter uh, what anybody says. I know I've put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I have an eternal Father. I have an eternal Savior. I'm going to heaven for eternity. I didn't make a reservation for a week. I didn't make a reservation for a month. My friend, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I got eternal life forever and ever. He said, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning, the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13 says, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. He loves you and me. He's an Almighty God. There's nothing too hard for him. He's an everlasting father. There's nothing that gets beyond him. He will always be there. In fact, he said, I'll, he said, I'll never leave thee. I'll never forsake thee. You know, sometimes we think, Lord, where are you at? He said, I'm right here. Maybe in the darkest times of your life. He said, Lord, where are you at? He said, I'm right here with you. Because he said, I will never. Can I put that emphasis back on that again? I will never. Leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's everlasting. He doesn't just save us and go off and leave us. He's eternal. He's everlasting. He's a mighty God. He's a counsel, our counselor. He is our hope that we have. He's everlasting. The Bible says that he's a prince of peace. Jesus is the source of all peace. And without him, there is no peace. I don't know about you, but honestly, for the past several days, across my mind, across my heart, there's been an aching because of the deaths scattered from Arkansas to Illinois from those tornadoes. And I pray, Lord, be with those people. There's families that have lost loved ones. There's families that have lost their homes and everything that they have. Lord, they need some peace. 
They need the presence of God. Words cannot be sufficient enough to help people in those times, but the Prince of Peace can. When the Prince of Peace steps into your life, no matter what the storm is, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the difficulty is, no matter what the tragedy is, no matter what comes your way, He said, I can give you peace. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be right there with you. Well, there's been those times in life when it seemed like everything was breaking loose. It seemed like everything was falling apart. And it was just like you begin to pray. It's almost like could almost feel a hand on your shoulder. So I just want you to know I'm there with you. It's going to be all right. The preacher, you're imagining things. No, that's the Prince of Peace. It comes in and gives us peace that's beyond our understanding. We're living in a world of chaos right now. Worldwide things changing and all kinds of things happening. But what we've got to stop and realize is that through the Son of God that came into this world, we have the Prince of Peace. When He was born, even the angels announced the peace that He brings to man if they'll accept Him. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14 says, And suddenly there was with an angel... With the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You see, He's a giver of peace when we receive Him as Savior. And Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. A peace that passeth all understanding. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, otherwise don't let it worry you so much doesn't mean that you aren't taking thought about it. doesn't mean that you're not concerned about it. But he says, be careful for nothing. Otherwise, don't let it control you. But in everything by prayer, he tells us how to approach it. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds. How? Through Christ Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. But even in our prophecy here that we're reading, He's also our judge one day. And we'll come before Him. Notice again with me there in verse 6. It says, Given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. Drop down to verse 7. It says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. One day, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that He's Lord. Every one of us. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how good you think you are. It says one day that every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that He's Lord. I've often said that you know, I've heard people say, I just can't wait to get to heaven. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to run up and throw my arms around Jesus Christ, my Savior. No, my friend, the first thing you're going to do is fall on your knees. And you're going to confess 
that he's Lord. The Bible says that every one of us shall give an account of what we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We'll give an account of how we've lived for the Lord. You said, well, as a Christian, you may not, it's under the blood, but I'm still going to give an account how I live for Jesus Christ. There's still going to be that accounting time when we come before the Lord. He is our judge. And my friend, for those who have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that you will be judged. The Bible, if you go over into Revelations, it says, and the books were open. And every man's going to be judged that does not know Christ our Savior out of the book. Out of the books. It's books. And then they'll come down to another book. It's called the book of life. To see if your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life. And those who do not know Jesus Christ their Savior, their name will not be in the Lamb's book of life. And the Bible literally says that they will take them and they will cast them into a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. We look at this and we think, oh, how sweet. But my friend, he's not coming back one day to a manger. When he comes back, he'll be on a white horse with a two-edged sword coming forth from his mouth. And he will conquer. And he will be our judge. When he comes back in the air, those who know Jesus Christ their Savior will be caught out of here. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, will be changed. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And my friend this morning, if you don't know Him as Savior, you don't have any peace. And Christian, this morning you may be in turmoil. You may be struggling with peace. He wants you to come to Him. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You say, preacher, but what about? There's no what abouts. He's the Prince of Peace. And He cares for you and me. He's the very Son of God. And without Him, there is no hope. What's Christmas about? It's about Jesus Christ. The Son of God. As the kids said, and as they sang, the greatest gift that was ever given to you and me. Amen. Oh, today, let us thank God. Let us give Him worship and praise for His wonderful gift. Would you bow with me this morning? This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Savior, I encourage you to come. I'll be standing down front. Would you come and just let me take a Bible and show you how to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior? Oh, this morning, the hope is found not at the manger, but at the cross. And the greatest gift ever given can change your life for eternity. Let the Lord have His way. Father, I thank You for loving us. And I thank you for your mercies and for your goodness to us.
I thank You for Your great gift. I thank You, Lord, for salvation that has been given to us through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Let us not forget how wonderful He is. Let us not forget the peace that He gives. Let us not look past the counsel that He wants to counsel us with. That He's always there. He's the everlasting Father. Oh, Lord, have Your will and way in hearts this morning. For this I ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? With your head still bowed.